On today's Fantasy Baseball in 15, we'll look at a couple of hitters trying to turn back the clock. Like death and taxes, Dodgers get a Dodger. <laughs> I have That's not had uh, three co-brews yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, April 29th. I'm Al Melker. I'm here with Derek Van Riper and uh, DVR. Let's uh, kick things off here with uh, a couple of uh, items that are, are late-breaking, at least for when we are recording here. Um, hopefully, we'll know about both of these situations soon. Uh, but Bryce Harper had to leave the Phillies game against the Cardinals early after getting hit by a pitch in the face. Uh, so that was the Wednesday night game. Uh, so again, this is... Fairly late breaking, um, but we'll obviously keep on top of that uh, as we go forward here. And also, Ryan Weathers had to leave his start for the Padres after just one inning. Uh, There's no word of any injury, but his velocity was down. So again, another item that will be uh, coming back to shortly in in, uh, episodes coming up. But let's get to some better news, DVR. George Springer making his 2021 debut for the Blue Jays. Um, And then in uh, another move there, Hunjin Ryu to the injured list with a strained glute. So uh, as as far as Springer goes, um, you know, obviously he goes in everybody's lineups. Now Ryu is an automatic uh, stash, regardless of your IL situation. Yeah. And I think the good news, according to Caitlin McGrath, who covers the Jays for the athletic, the Ryu absence is not expected to be a lengthy one. It's possible that he's back after the 10-day minimum. All right, so that is uh, some some mildly good news there. Also, uh, Jordan Alvarez, he's been placed back on the injured list. Uh, the reports that I saw, um, specifically DR, one, one that I saw on MLB.com, didn't even specify which injured list he was on. And the reason that Dusty Baker gave was it's for health and safety reasons. It sounds like a COVID-related issue, but we can't necessarily assume that, especially, again, since we don't know if it, it, it possibly could be the 10-day injured list. So uh, that's one, obviously, that will have a lot of people watching that one very closely. And uh, this one may be a little bit of a foregone conclusion, but Jazz Chisholm placed on the injured list by the Marlins with his strained hamstring. Isan Diaz recalled, and he started at second base for the Marlins on Wednesday. Mike Yastrzemski, another player with a uh, an injury that had been lingering day to day. He was finally placed on the injured list with an oblique strain. And the Diamondbacks making some moves. Taylor Widener with a strained groin going on the injured list, and also Cole Calhoun with a strained hamstring. Dalton Varsho's back up. Riley Smith came up, took the start that Widener was scheduled to make on Wednesday. So what's your level of interest in Dalton Varsho? Uh, It's significant just because of the catcher eligibility. I mean, even if he's only playing two-thirds of the time while Cole Calhoun's out, if you put Varsho on the big side of a platoon, that's as much as a typical catcher plays. And because he has that power-speed combo, I'm definitely interested. I think I would temper my bids in fab situations a little bit, though, because Carson Kelly has been outstanding for the Diamondbacks. So I would imagine that unless there's some other injury that opens up playing time for Varsho, he's going back down once Calhoun is healthy. All right, so something definitely to bear in mind. Um, Christian Yelich, some good news for him. Started hitting in a cage on Tuesday, 
and was scheduled to do so again on Wednesday, although I didn't see any follow-up reports on that. But uh, that's his first baseball activity since going on the injured list. So good news there for Christian Yelich. Mike Soroka, he threw on Tuesday. So uh, also very a very good development for him, although both for Yelich and for Soroka, no timetable to return as of yet. And Shane McClanahan's going to take the mound for the Rays against the Athletics on Thursday. So DVR, um, you know, really nice season in the minors back in 2019. Uh, is he going to be relevant in 2021? Yeah, it might be in more of an up and down sort of role this year than we would like. I mean, had we had a minor league season a year ago, I imagine it would have been mostly split between double A and triple A for McClanahan. And that leaves him kind of as a triple A big league tweener for the time being the stuff's absolutely good uh, i'm surprised he didn't get better results in the little time that he spent at double a given how good that stuff is i wonder though if this is going to be similar to the way luis patino was used where it's not necessarily a full start volume wise so i am sort of tempering my expectations for mcclanahan in the short term even though i like him quite a bit in the long term yeah that's the thing with the rays is that uh you sort of without more detailed information feel the need to you know provide that discount because of the way that they use their pitcher so um you basically confirm my bias with with <laughs> with that assessment uh so let's take a look back at some of the Wednesday performances that are worthy of note Byron Buxton uh just staying hot five for five against Cleveland uh, with his eighth home run of the season. But also we saw some uh, much needed uh, production for Mitch Garver, couple of home runs for him, his third and his fourth of the season. Um, so, you know, at the intro, I had said that, you know, we've got a couple of players who are hoping to turn back the clock, specifically turn it back to 2019. Mitch Garver's one of them. Josh Bell's another. We'll talk about him a little later on. But um, how hopeful are you that Garver can, if not replicate, certainly come close to what he did two years ago? You know, I did end up with Garver in a decent number of leagues. I was trading for him in keeper leagues, especially two catcher leagues, because I thought that he was going to have the upper hand over Ryan Jeffers for playing time all season. And thinking about how good he was on a per-plate appearance basis in 2019, I thought he could bounce back to being a 15 to 18 home run sort of guy with good run production in that lineup, even in that role. And that would still make him a good fit for the price because he really bottomed out in the shortened season. But we're talking about a shortened season for Garver that only included 81 plate appearances. So it's really hard to draw conclusions on a sample of that size. And we're almost that far into the current season and things look kind of similar prior to this two home run game. So I'm encouraged. The power is still there, even though the plate discipline that we're seeing from him right now is absolutely a problem. And if that continues, that two thirds or three quarters share of the playing time is going to be really difficult for him to hold on to all season long. So um, still maybe a little bit of a buy low for me if you're just looking for cheap power behind the plate, but I'm starting to lower my expectations in terms of average and OBP for Garver based on what we've seen for parts of these last two seasons now. Yeah, well, if uh, you're going to buy low, this is maybe the time to do it because if he's going to get hot from here on out, uh, you know, people might start to take notice with this uh, two-homer game. Jesus Aguilar having, I think, Kind of a quiet, good start to the season. Uh, hit his fifth home run of the year against the Brewers. Actually got on two more times with a couple of walks. And that brings his slash line up to 295, 383, 538. Uh, how widely at this point should he be rostered? 
he's probably pushing into 10-team mixed league territory right now. I mean, he's in the heart of that lineup. Playing time's not a concern. And with Aguilar, 2019's looking more and more like the outlier. If you look at his slash lines from 2017, 2018, even the shortened season in 2020 and the start of 2021, those numbers all look a lot similar uh, to each other, whereas 2019 kind of stands out as the year where things just didn't go right for him in Milwaukee or in Tampa Bay. So uh, I'm cautiously optimistic here. I think he's got an even strikeout-to-walk ratio right now, 13 of each. And just to really drive the point home, Jesus Aguilar gave up arugula recently. And if you give up arugula, <laughs> you've made a good change in your life. He's back to the arepas, which is fantastic. Those are much more tasty than arugula could ever be. So I think a happy and well-fed Jesus Aguilar is going to be a productive Jesus Aguilar. Yeah, I know. I definitely perform better on arepas than arugula. Um, mm-hmm. No question about that. Yeah, we all do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we had several pitchers who must have uh, had their arepas before uh, going out on the mound on Wednesday because uh, several really good pitching performances, frankly, some that, that were good but didn't even make the cut. So these were really uh, the, the most notable ones. Nick Pavetta outdueling Jacob deGrom, five scoreless innings with seven strikeouts, just one hit allowed. Um, Domingo Herman, seven scoreless innings with just three hits and six strikeouts. That was at Baltimore. Sonny Gray, very encouraging start for him. 11 strikeouts uh, against the Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in five and two thirds. Eric Fetty, really strange season so far. Another good start. Uh, six innings, just one run on two hits with seven strikeouts. But he's not, this this start was a bit of an aberration. He did get 11 swings and misses. Uh, but it, in general, he's not been getting the whiffs. He's been getting tons of foul balls. Uh, and uh, also be remiss to not mention Anthony Rizzo striking out Freddie Freeman. So uh, of those uh, five, yeah, kind of five, because we'll include Rizzo, why not? Uh, those five pitchers, who do you like for next week and beyond? You know, Pavetta might actually be out there in some shallow leagues, and I know the Mets have been slumping pretty badly as a team to this point, but I think Pavetta can be passable in at least the league average type matchups. I don't want to throw him on the road against the Yankees. I probably don't even want to throw him in Boston against the Yankees. So you're going to be careful with certain spots. You know, maybe on the road against the Jays in Dunedin. You're not going to use Pavetta in that spot. But I think you can actually get away with this for a little while. Um, I'm a little worried about the walk rate, though. That's that's where it can all break down on Pavetta. I mean, even when he pitches well, it seems like three walks is usually kind of the baseline number for most of his starts. I have no idea how he outdueled DeGrom. And it was kind of funny seeing some of DeGrom's comments after the game. He, said he was flying open. He wasn't happy with his mechanics. And DeGrom pitched really well. It's just the Mets offense yet again let him down. Yeah, yeah. Same old story there, right? Um, well, you know who's not a very selective team offensively? The Tigers. And that is the next team that Pavetta will face. So maybe we don't worry about the walks. And then he gets uh, potentially the Orioles for a second start next week. So that's, I will admit, I've already put in one bid for next week with Pavetta, but certainly not a spotless uh, record for the season there. Uh, Well, let's take a look ahead, not so far as next week, but for Thursday's slate, a pretty small slate, but not completely devoid of some interesting streamers. We've got Kyle Gibson, who's just been pretty solid this year. However, he's facing uh, the team that's got the highest WOBA, at least coming into Wednesday's games, and that's the Red Sox uh, facing off against them. And Martin Perez, we got Adbert Alzali uh, at Atlanta against uh, pitcher TBD. And Dylan Cease, uh, this is, I think, just more of just a straight matchup play. Not that he's 
been all that encouraging this year, but he does get the Tigers. He gets Matt Boyd. Um, and kind of the same thing I was saying about Pavetta. Cease has actually been one of the worst, possibly the worst pitcher in terms of getting first pitch strikes in the major leagues. But the Tigers have the fourth highest rate of getting first uh, pitch strikes. So Gibson, Alzali, Cease, any interest in all or any? Probably just Cease because of the matchup against the Tigers. I the other guy that I think is kind of interesting, I'm just a little worried about his workload because he's been working out of the bullpen, is Luis Garcia. He's starting that matinee for Houston going up against Seattle. I still think the Mariners, until they bring up all their prospects, are in a lineup that I'm going to try and pick on more often than not. I know Mitch Hanniger's having a nice bounce back year, and Kyle Lewis is finally healthy, but you look at the bottom half of that Mariners lineup especially, you feel pretty good about getting a little strikeout bump from just about any starter going up against them. All right, all right. So bonus streamer to consider there. And uh, because it's a Thursday show, we take a look at who's up, who's down in the stock watch. Austin Riley's gotten hot. He homered again on Wednesday. Uh, so um, he's he's just been red hot. Willie Calhoun, uh, he's uh, now led off against four straight right-handed starters and has hits in all of his 10 games except for one. Uh, Jordan Luplo is not hitting particularly well, but he is starting regularly eight of the last nine games for Cleveland. And on the pitching side, Jose Arana has three straight games of seven innings uh, exactly and no more than two earned runs in any of those three starts, despite not getting many strikeouts, but he is getting a lot of grounders. So Riley, Calhoun, Luplo, Urania, um, who do you think's for real here? You know, the playing time for Liplau is probably enough for me to think about picking him up, especially because Cleveland has a seven-game week on tap. So if he's still available in your league, I think he's interesting. It's also because of the matchups. There are three lefties on the slate coming up next week for Cleveland. So I think those are spots where Liplau could do some damage. We saw this earlier in the year with a former member of Cleveland's roster, Tyler Naquin, doing damage in Cincinnati with that little run of playing time. I think you get a similar stretch from a guy like Liplau and if you just kind of been turning that last spot on your outfield mix just looking for someone who's playing a lot this guy could actually get it done for you all right and a couple of players on the downside of the ledger Josh Bell just hasn't gotten it going and now he's been dropped to the sixth spot in the Nationals lineup at least uh, for Wednesday's game at Toronto and he did homer in that one so uh, a little little bit of uh, 2019 there for Josh Bell and Kyle Hendricks I just don't even know what to say here. Um, so uncharacteristic. Another homer binge again on Wednesday. He now has given up 10 in 22 and two-thirds innings this year. On that note, uh, we'll wrap things up here for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And uh, if you do have an opportunity to rate and review this podcast, we really do greatly appreciate that. So for Derek Van Riper, I'm Al Melkier, and we'll be right back here on Friday. 